Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 75th program in this series. I'm going into John chapter 14, and what's happening is, is that there is a conversation that is taking place between Jesus and his disciples. This is after the last Passover, also known as the Last Supper, and Jesus is about to be arrested and then crucified. And this is the conversation that John records that took place between Jesus and the disciples. What Jesus says was, in a sense, the last of the things that Jesus had to say to the disciples before he would die and resurrect from the dead. Now, at the end of chapter 13, Jesus tells them that he's going to go away. And he tells them that he wants them to love one another as he has loved them. Those were the two issues that Jesus introduced in this conversation. In John chapter 14, what we have is we have the continuation of this conversation, and he mentions again the importance of them loving one another and that they are to obey his commandments. He tells them that he's going to come back, he's going to see them again. He tells them that they will have a place in the kingdom of heaven. And he explains to them that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is going to come to them. These are the topics that he presents to his disciples between the end of the Last Supper and just before they depart from where they are. In John chapter 15, Jesus continues the conversation Because of what he said at the end of John chapter 14, it appears that he is no longer in the same place, but that they have gone somewhere else. And it is the other place that he tells them the things that we see in John chapter 15 and John chapter 16, which include a lot of repetition from John chapter 14. But he adds more details. And so we could consider John chapter 14 and John chapter 15 to kind of be the same, except for John chapter 14 being an introduction, and then John chapter 15 being a further explanation with some repetition of what he said before they departed from wherever it was that they were having this last meal together. Now, there are, of course, several important points for us to spend time looking at and studying through these chapters. But I want to mention right away that I think the most important issue that he presents is the giving of the Holy Spirit. He mentions it several times. And considering how often he mentions it, I think we should pay attention to that and realize that he's going to say it, he's going to say it again, and then he's going to say it again and again. You would get the idea, hopefully, that this is a big issue, the restoration of the Holy Spirit. 
And so I'll point this out as we go along in John chapter 14 and John chapter 15. Beginning in John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, of course, he reveals later that he is the living God. He has already expressed this previously. In the previous chapters, he said many things that the people understood as being a declaration that he is God manifested in the flesh. He is going to continue to present more that enforces that. In this case, he's following through with the layered approach of hoping that his disciples will be able to grasp this a little bit at a time. If you're going to believe in God, it's okay to believe in Jesus because he is. God manifested in the flesh. If you believe in Jesus, it's okay to believe in God because Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. But another way to look at verse 1 in this context is to use the word trust. I think that could be a better definition of this word that is used here in this context to say, let not your heart be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me, which fits reasonably well in the context of belief. What are you going to believe? What are you going to genuinely believe in the context of trusting that this is the truth? So if you believe in God, you know that there's enough evidence to show that you can trust God, trust Jesus, trust him also. He just said that he's going to go away. You should trust the fact that this is a good decision that this is a good thing, and that if he leaves you behind, in this sense, he's going to do so because greater things can be experienced by you being left behind, by you continuing to live your life in this world without his physical presence in this context, it will be a good thing. And even though you do not understand the dynamics associated with how this becomes important, and how this becomes valuable. This is the decision of God. It should be obvious that this is what he has decided. So even though you may not understand or you may not approve, you must trust that he has made the right decision. So he's going to leave his disciples behind. In the previous message, I mentioned that Peter certainly experienced a significant change in who he was during the years that he was left behind. Given that example, I'm sure that other people can perhaps identify specific examples in their own lives where they could say that because I endured, because I suffered, because I went through the difficulties and the tribulations and the struggles that I went through that I would not have gone through if I was in the kingdom of heaven, but because I am here... I went through these things, I endured these things, I walked from one end to the other, and my God walked with me, and on the other side, I grew to know him more, to trust him more, to believe in him more. These are some examples, and I'm sure that you could probably find something that you could relate to when it comes to this, if you were to spend some time thinking about it, and if not, then just wait. Just wait, and I am sure that as you live your life in Christ Jesus, things like this will begin to surface and show themselves. 
It is something for you to look for, to anticipate, and to enjoy and learn from as these circumstances occur in your own life personally. In verse 2, Jesus goes into the topic of there being a place for them. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So he tells them, look, I'm going to go away, but I'm coming back, and there will be a place for you. In accordance with verse 1, let your heart not be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Your heart can be at peace. You can be at peace because you will know that you will have a place with him. And peace in your heart is important to God. It is important to him that you have peace. If we were to look ahead in John chapter 14, if you go down to verse 27, he mentions, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. He gives us these promises to say that yes, he's going away. And this is good, even though you don't understand the dynamics of that and the significance of that, you must trust that he will make the right decision. And he states that there will be a place for you, and he will come back, he will make sure that you go to the place that he is preparing for you. He's not preparing a place for you, so that later on he can decide, due to some other criteria, he can decide, ah, change my mind. You're not going to be able to go here. I'm going to give this place to someone else. That's not what he does. That's not the decision. That's not the covenant that he makes with us. So we don't have to be troubled because we know that there will come a point when our God will come for us. We know that the day will come when we are joined together with him. Either he will come to us here or we will go to him there. However that works out, there is going to be a time when we are together again and he will have a place for us. Now, having a place, having a place to be, is of great importance. It is of great significance. Consider, for example, what happened earlier in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 48. What was going on was that the leaders, the religious leaders, were very concerned about what Jesus was doing. In John chapter 11, verse 48, if we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. The Romans will take away their place. They will no longer have a place to be. They will no longer have a legitimate place to function, to live, 
to dwell, to eat, work, rest, and perform maintenance, that kind of stuff. They are not going to be able to live unless they have a place where they can legitimately be. And so when our God states, declares, promises that there is a place for you, this is a big deal. For you to have a place that is your own, that will be your sanctuary within the house of God, this is a way that you can have peace in your heart, as he wants. He wants you to have peace in your heart. He does not offer you peace in your heart by saying, don't worry, on this planet, he will ensure that you always have a place, especially as you may desire. That's not what he promises. That's not what he says. The closest he ever came to that was with Abraham, his promise to Abraham that was manifested and fulfilled through the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was given this land as a place where they could be. It was, of course, conditional, and they failed to meet the conditions, and so they were evicted. But when you go to your place in the kingdom of heaven, you will never be evicted. That is your place. It is your sanctuary. And you will always have that place in the household of God. There will never be any conditions that you could violate such that you would be evicted from this room, from this mansion, from this place that God is preparing for you. The foundation for this agreement, of course, is the forgiveness of sins, and it is being made into a living being, a new creation in Christ according to the new covenant. And so in this sense, he is telling them that they should not be troubled in their hearts. Now, they are certainly going to experience a lot of trouble and a lot of distress And they are going to feel uncomfortable quite often because of the issues and the struggles related to this world. There will be many times when you will be concerned about having a place, just having a place to be. This is part of the struggle that exists within the world that we have. But in the midst of the struggles of the flesh... Within our spirit, which is another way to describe the heart, as Jesus is describing how we can have peace in this context, even in the midst of all the struggles of the flesh, we can still have peace in our spirit, peace in our hearts, because we know that this is a short-term, temporary experience. And the day is coming when we are going to be done with all the tribulations and difficulties that are happening in our lives right now, and we will go to that place that is reserved just for us, that no one will be able to take away from us. No one will be able to chase us out. So this is important, and this is something that Jesus told his disciples that we know is true for us also. Now, there is something that I would want to caution you about that I think most people are not really paying attention to. And that is that there's a lot more here than just having a place. 
having a special reserved area, a room, a mansion, in the household of God. It's not just about that. There's also God. There is He, Him, the person of our God. And this is in His home. This is not just about you and your special room down the hallway in His house. This is about you and Him. This is about you having a relationship with Him. He is inviting you to be in His home so that you and Him can be together. Not so that you can just go hide out in your room. It's not about that, although there are a lot of people who seem to have this attitude a little bit that they think that the objective is to just simply get to heaven. The objective is to be there. The objective is to have their special place. They don't really care about knowing God. They just want his property. They want a place for themselves. They want to take up one of the rooms in his house. And yeah, they may come out now and then in order to tolerate him, in order to make themselves known, you know, just kind of pretend that they're interested in what he's doing, and then go back to their room, their mansion, and do their thing. Do you think God is looking for people to invite into his home just because of that? Just because these people might want to have a piece of property, they might just want to have a place to be, and they want to take his. Do you think that's what he's looking for? He's not looking for people who just want to take part of his property, who just want to take up some space in his house. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for people with whom he can relate to, who he can know, who can know him. And there is an eternity ahead of us all. There is a life to be lived, and there will be a continuation of life. There will be more to do, more to discover, more to learn. And it's okay for people to go and do their own things, of course. However, don't lose sight of the reality that this is not just about you having a place to go. It is about you and your God. It is about the person. And this is important because of what he says next. Continuing to read into verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the depths of that verse has to do with the fact that the way is a person. The truth is a person. The life is a person. And as I just explained, people are so focused on the place that they forget the person. They're so interested in, oh yeah, I just want to go to heaven. Well, what about being around God? What about being in his home? What about that? Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Look, folks, there's a big difference between the place and the person. And so Jesus does tell them about the place. And this is true. And this is a good start. But the way to get there is through the person. Because the person is not going to just let somebody go into his home who doesn't care to know him. He's not going to do that. 
or that he doesn't know. And so the priority truly needs to be that you may know your God, the one who he sent, and that he may know you. If this is correct, if this is true, if this is real, then of course he has a place for you. And that is the core behind verse 6, when Jesus said to him, I am the way. The way is the person. That's the way. It is to know the person. It is to have a relationship with the person. It is that the person may know you. That's the way. The way is the person. It's not about what are the geographical coordinates. It's not about that at all. It's not about is it up in the sky to the left or is it up in the sky to the right? We know it is in a spiritual dimension, but we don't need to know what the dimension is or what that's about. We need to know the person who is there. And in knowing the person, we will have access to the place. He will prepare a place for those who he knows and those who know him. That is who he will prepare a place for, and that will be the way. So what God has done is he has isolated himself. He has protected himself. He has a sanctuary, and he preserves the integrity of his sanctuary by only allowing people to be there who are there for the right reasons. That's what he has done. And the right reasons have to do with knowing that it is about him. He is the way. That there is truth. He is the one who defines truth. And he will allow people to be a part of his home if they will accept that which is true, accept that which is real, not live in some distorted fantasy that they have about the way things are. They must accept the way things are in a genuine way, in the depths of their heart, that he defines. That is something that a person must surrender to. Surrender to the reality that God is the one who defines truth and reality. And that he is the life. He is the life. He is the one who creates life. And his presence within you is the life that makes you alive. Without your God within you, you are dead. You are spiritually dead. And so this is what Jesus is going to speak about. He's going to speak about the restoration of the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, which is the life of God. He is the life. It is the person. It's not some abstract energy or force of some kind. It is a person. It's a living person who will dwell within your spirit and through his presence and his presence alone are you alive? He has promised that he has forgiven all sin to the extent where there will be no sin that will ever cause him to depart from within you ever. 
And so the life that you will have will be an eternal life, but it still is a person. It is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is a layered description. It is a description of layers to say that God has revealed himself as the Lord Jesus. He has accomplished the task of providing for salvation. Through believing and trusting in the gospel, he will save us. And through the context of forgiveness and resurrection, we will have access to the Father through this way that he has defined. And that's verse 6. This is the way. It is the person. And there is no other. There is no other way because there is No other person. Again, there is no other way because there is no other person but God himself. Thank you for listening. This is the 75th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And in this program, I emphasized the difference between the place and the person in the sense that we are not just going to heaven so that we have some place to go. But we are going to be a part of the life of God. We are going to be with Him as a person. In many cases, people are just thinking they just want a place to be. They want a room in His house, a big one preferably, and they're not thinking about the fact that they are in His home. And being in His home means being a part of His life. And for Him to be a part of your life. I also related this to verse 6, where he spoke about himself being the way, the truth, and the life. That it is he who is the way, because the way has to do with having a relationship with the person. And there is no other besides him. And I will continue in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net